0: Here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you, John, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. We're so delighted that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to listen to what I think today is going to be an incredibly important subject we're going to talk about. And it's a joy for me to have right here in the recording studio with me, Ezra Beyer. Ezra? Good to have you today. Thank you. And I won't tell everybody how much you ate at Bob Evans. So <laughs> <laughs> I think my listeners are beginning to think that Bob Evans and the podcast are somehow going together, or Bob Evans underwrites a podcast or something, because about everybody I have on here, we end up going to Bob Evans before we get here, so... But it's good to have you, Ezra. Is, uh, it's just I'm just so proud of you. You've done so well. I taught you in college that had nothing to do with how well you've done, but I'm very proud of you, and I'm so glad you're here today and willing to share on the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Ezra Bayer, Ezra is uh, he's married, and his wife's name is Janan. They've got two beautiful children. They've been married for. Eight years, I think she said it doesn't feel like a day over twenty. But anyway, they've been married for <laughs> they've been married for eight years. Uh, Ezra has been a church planter. He's very has been very passionate and is still very passionate about uh, urban city type ministry. Uh, he is also uh, has a great podcast called The Monday Christian that's been gone how many years now. Oh, about four. About four years. And I've been on the podcast, and I've listened to his podcast, and they're, they're great podcasts, and you can find that on Facebook. We'll talk about that later. But he is currently enrolled at uh, Columbia International University, and he's getting you're working on a Ph.D. in philosophy. Yep. Yeah, I knew that's you were right. brilliant, but now, it's <laughs> like, now you're just like off the charts, okay? So you ha- he's authored two books, and right now you are about ready to release a brand new book uh, that I know you're excited about, I'm excited about, and I think our listeners today are going to be very excited about it. This book that's coming out is entitled Walking with a Limp, Thoughts of Hope, for the depressed and discouraged now the moment I read that word hope in there of course it, that resonates with me
1: I thought about hope along the journey but I just couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do it <laughs>
0: I want you to know I've got this title registered by the way I want you to know that and I, you know so anyway but walking with the limp thoughts of hope for the depressed and discouraged wow what a, what a springboard to begin this discussion so Ezra Uh, take it away. I want you to share with our listeners today what is behind this. I know some of the story, don't know all the story, but share with our listeners why this book that's so much about you and why you wrote this book. So share it with us today, please.
1: Several years ago, uh, February is, I think it was 2016, if I want to say, well, I remember waking up one morning and uh, sitting at a di- the dining room table with my wife, or getting coffee. She was about ready to uh, go to school, and at that time was a church planner in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I'd gone through some tough stuff, but it's it's that comes with the territory in ministry. And I remember sitting down at the table, and all of a sudden, um, tears just kind of involuntarily mm-hmm. falling down my face. And I, I don't know really how to describe it except to say that it was almost as if in that moment something snapped, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I've never felt this way before in my life. I don't know what's going on, and I'm not really sure what to do about it, mm-hmm. what to call it, what to... And I remember just praying with my wife that morning and just thinking, okay, this is a bit of a one-off. And that ne- that day I went about my business. and But then... Um, a week or so later, it happened again, um, and, and it would. And sometimes it would happen. Maybe you had a tough day, right? And mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I'd this would this feeling would come on, and uh, and I was like, what, "What is this?" Over time, it would begin to pop up randomly. And the World Health Organization they have this a uh, great video. It's it's called on "The Black Dog of Depression," and 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 basically, they they you know we've just raise golden doodles and whenever you have pups, you know, you (laughs) let them out in the backyard and they all follow you around and they just nip at your heels. (laughs) Right, right. And um, of course I didn't know what it was at the time, but depression is very much that way, Mm -hmm. where it's something that nips at your heels and it comes at you really unexpectedly. And so that was one of the transforming things for my life was at first I was always just accustomed to, okay, you have, have, everyone has their bad days. Mm But then what do you do when you're having a great day and all of a sudden you have this feeling come over you and you realize, okay, I, I might feel this way likely for two or three days mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do about it. I don't have the skill set really to combat it. I, I'm not sure what to, I'm not sure who to talk to about it. Right. And really that went into a three, three and a half year journey of, of uh, battling depression, and Mm -hmm. it's something that I still work with to this day. I've learned to uh, work with it a a lot more. But during the midst of that, one of my saving graces was writing, and so I just spent time. um, I like the line, writing as an act of worship. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I'm going through a hard time, (laughs) I sit down and I write. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 I've written three books. (laughs) Um, I think <laughs> I could write an encyclopedia set. <laughs> 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 and, and, and so, and so that's, that's where some of my, yeah. my best stuff comes. Yeah. And so this book really came out of those three years plus. And I remember saying, okay, um, I want to write to other people that are going through a similar mm-hmm. season to mm-hmm. what I'm going through, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to offer some help. That's where yeah. it
0: came from. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I know depression is not always easy to talk about. Um, I, having myself, and again, you know, everybody's story is different. But I have had intervals of where I have battled severe depression. Times I've even had to be medicated for short periods of time to deal with that depression. I, I told you I was going to say this. I've got a I've got a book in my study entitled "I Don't Want to Talk About It," and it's a book about men and the fact that men don't want to talk about their issues. I hear so many times wives will complain and say, my husband just doesn't want to talk about it. First of all, was why do you think that is, that it's hard for men to, to talk about this subject? Because I think it is hard for men. And how were you able and were you able to find anybody really to talk to about it or did you feel like you just faced this journey pretty much alone?
1: Um, well, certainly, I had a great friend, uh, Troy Keaton, and you might you know that name. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so helpful along the journey, and just would spend time praying and then things like that. So, so yes, I, I had had some people that were that were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, as for why, I think some of the stigma of depression, I think is is fortunately is going away. Um, I think the challenge for me is not. I think the challenge with people talking now on depression is that there is a price to pay. Mm-hmm. I would say sadly, still for sharing about it, because people will often say, "Okay, I want to, I want to help. Any time of the day, you call me, all right." But what do you do <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. when those feelings that you have are nightly? So let's just right. uh, get into some right. of the, the darker stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going through weeks where. Um, it progressing and having constant thoughts of suicide, right? That was mm-hmm. just that progressed mm-hmm. to that point. And so who do you call and talk to about that? I mean, I have a great accountability partner and we chat every week and, and I'd certainly call and text him sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, at two in the morning. I'm not going to call him every night at two in the morning and mm-hmm. say, okay, <laughs> is this what I'm going through? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a reality. Right, and, and so, right. I, and I think... I'm a huge World War II buff, right? So I, I, okay. and I read all these okay. stories of General Patton, and I think of all the things that they suffered, and I'm like, okay, we just need to suck it up. We need to continue moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I think in that process, sometimes we just try to move forward, and we end up getting stuck. But this was kind of the tipping point for me. I probably would have pressed forward and not gotten the help that I needed, but the turning point for me was thinking about, like, my wife and kids and how it was starting to impact them. Uh, like medication, hate the thought of medication. Yes. Right now I'm not on it. Mm-hmm. But for a couple of years, I went uh, did about five, 10 milligrams of an SSRI, mm-hmm. uh, just a, a depressant drug. Um, that was helpful to a degree. And so I went to a counselor. Um, why? Like, I, again, I probably wouldn't have done that on mm-hmm. my own, sadly mm-hmm. enough. Um, but it was when I began to see how much it was impacting, like, my wife and how much she had to put up with. And then I realized, mm-hmm. okay. And I guess – if someone's listening and maybe they've they struggled with depression, right. it's admirable right. in a way to suck it up and fight for it. Like I I appreciate that a lot, but you also have to think about the people around you that have to live with you right. every right. single day right. and, and make some decisions in light of that, not just yourself.
0: You know, that's great. And that's great advice. And I think you're, that's so important. I want to go back to this matter. I want, I want to try to pull two things together. One, you were talking about, you know what's best—your wife, your kids. You think about your family, and fortunately for you, that was like part of a catalyst that moved you. And a—I've got to get better. I've got to find help. I, you know, I can't just live here. And you know, it's not working to just suck it up. I gotta, I gotta get some help. But back to this matter of suicide. What I've often ex- heard people say was that in these times they battle suicidal thoughts they begin to think or reason that maybe this is best for their family mm-hmm. that i'm such a burden on my family i'm you know i'm 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 not the husband i ought to be i'm not the father i should be maybe my family would be better off without me mm-hmm. Did you feel any of those thoughts? Did you ever wrestle with any of that in your battle with suicide, yeah, suicidal thoughts? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you see different pastors that will come out, not just pastors, but that's that's my world. And you'll see um, different ones come out, and you'll see that they committed suicide, mm-hmm. and their wife has to pick up the pieces of that. And my initial thought before was, wow, how selfish. And, and I still have those feelings, mm-hmm. okay? Like, man, I, I just couldn't ever, and personally, I just could never imagine doing that to your wife and kids. Right, I just right. I, That's just beyond my imagination. But I say that, and, and I can still, I can understand how someone would get to that point mm-hmm, because absolutely mm-hmm. you go through all those thoughts where you begin thinking, okay, well, let's just <laughs> go to a dark place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, my wife could go, you know, she's young, she could go get some, <laughs> someone else yeah, and right, she can move on right, with her life right. and she'd be better off, my kids would be better off. And um, yeah, you do go to all those dark places mm-hmm. in your head. And it's, it's tough, or it really is tough to know how, how to deal with that.
0: Yeah, and I ask you that question because it could very well be that somebody listening to this, mm. those thoughts are present and real to them because they hear you say, you know, I thought of what was best for my wife and kids. Because I, And again, I can look back and remember times in, in, in my darkest moments when I was so depressed that I began to hear those thoughts saying, you know what, it would be a relief to your wife and kids, if you just ended it all. They would be better off without you. And it's not true. None of that is true. And so if you're listening today, I think Ezra, you and I both would say, that's not the way to go. That's, but those thoughts are very real. And it could be somebody listening today are having those very thoughts. So let's pick back up. So you, you thought about what's best for your wife, what's best for your kids. I've got to move beyond this. Walk us through some of those steps of learning how to cope and deal in a healthy way with the depression you were having in your life.
1: You, there's, there's a book by, I think it's Johan Hari, uh, Lost Connections, and I highly recommend that book. This is a secular book, and so there's some stuff I disagree with, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, the general gist of it, I don't remember, he lists nine causes for <laughs> Often that are often ways people Mm -hmm. fall into depression and it's things from not having a connection with the natural world like trees and all that kind of stuff to Mm -hmm. losing connections, relationships, you know, status, all these things. Anyways, but out of those nine things that Yohan Hari mentions, I realized that when we my wife and I moved to Toronto, it was about like six of six or seven of them all kind of converged at once. Mm -hmm. And. You know, all of a sudden we're living in the midst of a concrete jungle, working in the midst of a community where people wanted very little to do with God, and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And and so you're going through all of this, and you're wondering, okay, God, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I, like, how do I move forward? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all that, it's 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 really, I guess, well go back to your question yeah, again
0: yeah back to what i was saying what were some of those steps so you talk about you read the one of the things that helped you in, in making those steps out of, of beginning to move from okay i gotta do something about it to what did you begin to do to try to help you i know you mentioned earlier you was on medi- you were on medication for all you mentioned this book yeah, right. that you read what were some of the other things that you began to do to help you in a healthy way to deal with your depression
1: well, big thing, I think, is creating good rhythms. Um, and so I think the first step, I guess, going back to that, so that's why I mentioned mm-hmm. you were on Hardy's book, identifying, okay, why do I have this depression? Okay. And that's okay. really hard to understand that at first. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't always understand, but I recognize, okay, there was a genetic component with my family and so, some, some of that ties into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognizing that, but then saying, okay, um, what does my routine look like? What? how can i change that up so before let, let's i'll give a practical example okay. i've always been a person that if we set a goal to do x i'm going to try to do 10 or 20% more and get you know if i have mm-hmm. a goal to write x number of words a day i'm going to write this well i realized through that that there's a reason why god has created us with limitations you know mm-hmm. i think of the sabbath and i All think right. of the old testament of why we weren't, the israelites weren't allowed to glean around the outside edges of the field right it's not just so that the poor and widows can eat. It's, he's teaching his children <laughs> that there's restrictions on what they, they can. And I think that was a big thing for me is, is recognizing, okay, that depression is kind of setting my boundaries. That's great. And yes. so there's, mm-hmm. there's some parts in the day where I'd get along and I would have just, tr- you know, before just tried to push mm-hmm. through. But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I realized, okay, I'm running on short sleep here. So Mm -hmm. it might be that I have to make sure that that night I get an extra Mm -hmm. nine hours of sleep, right? Right. And and recognizing that Mm -hmm. all these rhythms that I think maybe aren't important actually really are important. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are some of the things. Medication was kind of helpful for a bit. In the long Mm -hmm. run, Mm -hmm. not that great. For me, physical exercise is huge. Okay. Um, Okay. uh, That's – I religiously – exercise as my form of an SSRI, I guess. It's one of the things my counselor said. Um, And that's been so helpful Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, a good exercise, I just feel totally different. So Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of... And and even like writing, that was a big thing for Mm -hmm. me, Mm -hmm. is sitting down and just writing as an act of worship and saying, okay, God, these are the thoughts, this is what I'm feeling right now, but this is what I know to be true of Mm -hmm. you. And um, yeah,
0: it's great. It sounds to me, you, you just mentioned just briefly, but I heard you say your counselor. So let's talk a minute about how important is it for someone who's stuck to find a coach, a life coach, a counselor, scale of one to ten, ten 10 being extremely important. How important do you think it is for somebody who is truly stuck in depression to find that, that other person who has training and skills to help them Move beyond where they are. How important do you think that
1: the is? the easy answer is? Yes, we should all go to counseling. But honestly, my my experience with counseling wasn't amazing. Like my counselor okay. really wasn't, you know, just, just personally, what wasn't all that helpful to okay. to me. And whereas friends and uh, that were willing to pray with me and stay mm-hmm. up, that was actually a lot more beneficial. Okay, and so I think it depends on the type of depression. So maybe so I think s- specifically if if. Say, you know, uh, certainly if there's unconfessed sin or mm-hmm. deep-rooted problems, I think uh, counseling, there were some aspects of that that were very helpful mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. But one of the best things for me, and actually I talked to someone else who, who struggled with mm-hmm. depression, and they said, Ezra, like, out of all the years we struggled with this, like, you're the only one that actually did this with us. Like, you came and prayed with us. Mm. Right. There is something so powerful about someone calling you up and mm-hmm. just saying, hey, look, I know you're going through a tough time. Could we just take a few minutes to pray together? My friend uh, Troy would do that, right? Um, and again, that, it's not like it fixed the problems, but that, that's you know Daniel Henderson often says like like um, discouragement comes from a temporary loss of perspective, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing with depression is you lose all perspective. That's right. And having right. someone in your life that can help you gain perspective, like my friend Troy and mm-hmm. others, mm-hmm. that's so valuable.
0: And in a and and in a way that is counsel but it's a different type of counsel mm. but it's but it is pastoral counsel it's scriptural counsel and so you had people that were coming alongside to help you through this and and I appreciate what you said about the power of prayer because I think we oftentimes just kind of write that off and dismiss that when scripture and life itself teaches us that Prairie is indeed a very powerful tool and weapon that we have.
1: Let me speak to this. I think of the person right now that might be listening and you don't know how to get to sleep at night. Okay. So it's two in the morning. Mm -hmm. What do you do when that happens? Um, now, the easy alternative is to jump on Netflix right. and, and watch something and kind of numb your mind because the pain is so real. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you're, you know, again, not to get overly dramatic, but I, I wrote this book to a person in the trenches. That's where my heart mm-hmm. is to people mm-hmm. that are going through it, not people that have gone through it 10 years ago. Right, Um right. What do you do when you're again, you're two in the morning and you don't have any hope of going to sleep? Right. Mm -hmm. This was for me a transformational moment when I remember one night it was just so dark. I can't remember the day, but, um, and I remember, uh, just the accusations of Satan were just so Mm -hmm. loud and and the thoughts of suicide, you know, just, you know, no one cared about you, no one ever did. Um, just ended all, no one would. You know, just so so real. It was almost like <laughs> he's like sitting in the room beside me. Like it was just yeah, so. Right. And I remember uh, making mm-hmm. a decision in that moment and saying, "Okay, God, I don't feel like this at all, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to praise." And so I remember laying down in the living room floor and just reciting Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, picking up scripture, again, t- feeling totally dry, no no motivation to do this, right, but just right. saying, okay, this is what I'm going to choose to do, mm-hmm. that is a powerful me- act of worship, because oftentimes we kind of tend to think of worship, okay, we do that in church, we raise our hands, but mm-hmm. I think one of the, the greatest forms of worship is in the silent moments of our life when no one else sees... Mm-hmm. And we say, okay, God, despite everything that I feel and want to do right now, I'm going to praise. And if the devil's going to keep me awake with accusations, he's going to have to listen to me praise yeah. in the same moment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful, yeah. And I, I'm glad you share that because, again, so many times it's it. And, and again, why it is at night, I, I think I know some of the reasons, but it seems like oftentimes the attacks of the enemy and the struggle with our own emotions gets really ramped up in into the night hours and you know and when you read the psalms you even see david so many times struggling through the night hours waiting for the dawn of the new day mm-hmm. and weeping may endure for the night joy comes in the morning there's something about about that evening time so reading scripture intentionally, and that's what I think I hear you saying, if I'm correct, intentionally just, I'm going to worship God, it's not about what I feel, it's not about, but I'm going to focus my mind cognitively, begin to think those thoughts and replace those thoughts with what is true and what is praiseworthy and what is honorable. was there anything else that you did that was helpful that you could share with these people, as you mentioned, that are in the trenches?
1: I want to back up and touch on something because I think this might be important. So, when okay. I was 15 years of age, that's when I feel, first felt a call, sense a call of God to mm-hmm. go into pastoral ministry, plant churches, specifically the call to plant a church in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look back on that, and I, you know, some people maybe suggested, well, maybe that was just your youthful thoughts. No, I, I think that was legitimately mm-hmm. a, a sense from God. So what do you do with that? So for, for 10 years leading up to moving to Toronto, um, that was my thought process of preparing my mind to go to Toronto and plant a church. Mm-hmm. And then, again, a year going into this, and you know things were going decent, but then in, in you, it's people were coming to faith in Christ. But then all of a sudden, this like totally unexpected, did not prepare for this whatsoever, Um. And then all of a sudden this hits you and mm-hmm. you're like, "Okay, God, what in the world?" Like, "I feel like I'm doing what you've called me to do. Mm-hmm. I've prepared essentially half my life for this." <laughs> right, right. And and then it's like, "You're not going to help me?" I mean, "What what in the world?" And I remember driving some days and pounding the steering wheel of my car and saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, God, like I'm at the end of my rope." I think of my, my kids, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, if my kid, you know, um, it gets easier as the older they go, but <laughs> <laughs> if they're laying in the crib and they're crying, yeah, I understand. you know, you just want to go and you want to pick them up and, uh-huh. and comfort them. I'm, I'm like, right. God, I've cried out to you for, for months, uh-huh. years now, mm-hmm. and yet it's just nothing. Like, what's the deal with that? And you, you say, I, I wouldn't treat my kids this way, and it's very dangerous territory to, to go because you kind of start accusing God. Um, but... I think that was a big part of it for me was was a, God was teaching me a trust aspect of Him. So when we made the decision to move from Toronto, different things factored into that. Mm-hmm. But just personally, a big part of it was I realized I needed an emotional reset of sorts. Right, right. That was, uh, for me, was a big sense of trust because one of the things I get into in the, in the book is the life of Jacob. when. Mm-hmm. Jacob, eventually he has this encounter with the angel, but later on he moves to Egypt. He doesn't want to move to Egypt because that's like the opposite of where he he sense maybe God wanted to go. That's not the go. promised land, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think the reason I mention all this is because I feel like maybe someone listening is, is, you know, they're saying, okay, God, I've done all, I think I've done most of the right things, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I should, I feel like I should be entitled to feel better, that you should be closer to me, that you should... I guess if there's one thought that I've, I've realized through all of this is number one, we're not entitled to any of that. But that that true trust in God is allowing God to deal with the the unfinished chapters of our life, and leaving them to God and saying, "Okay, God, I don't see how this is going to end, but uh, I'm going to trust you that you're going to work something mm-hmm. good from this." Mm-hmm. And so. That for me is an ongoing thing that that I wrestle with. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's sometimes it is a real issue of trust whether we're going to let God write our narrative or if we're going to write our narrative. Yeah, and then when we don't understand when God suddenly changes the chapters in our life, yeah, and that would be huge because I can remember when you were a young person. I remember the dream that you had. It was always just so solid. You know, I'm going to build. I'm going to start a church in Toronto, and I remember those youthful days in your life, and. That's. I thank you for sharing that because I know that had to be extremely challenging for you, knowing how deep that dream was in your life.
1: Well, and, and I say that because I've seen other friends, you know, family members, where they've had dreams that they sense are from mm-hmm. God, and I don't doubt that. I actually oh, think absolutely. that they were from God. Right. But then all of a sudden, life happens, and and it's just like an explosion in their mm-hmm. life. Maybe they're they're spells. You know, maybe right. it comes down with a horrible sickness, and it's like, okay, God, and and you. You keep saying, okay, God, would you please resolve this so I can understand, Mm -hmm. but God's just saying, okay, I want to teach you how to just trust me even when, again, Mm -hmm. I go back to that, when I can't close the chapters out, when I can't put a neat little
0: bow and show how (laughs) it all comes together. Right, right, Uh, that's so good. And I think what you're sharing, and, and I want to encourage our listeners in a few moments when we give the book information to please get a copy of this book because I think there are... So many people out there, so many silent sufferers Mm. who have never emerged because they don't know if it's safe to share their story. They're afraid that maybe people will judge them if they share the battle they're going through. Uh, And so many times people do take that step and then their depression is minimalized or trivialized or, you know, or, or everybody suggests there's some quick fix and get over it, grow up bow up as we used to say in southern indiana just bow up um but depression is 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 very real and even like you mentioned before even the genetic aspect of it it oftentimes runs in families are there um, you know i don't want you to to reveal but are are there other family members or even maybe siblings that actually wrestle with this too as well you see yeah yeah certainly
1: and it's it's, it is, yeah, it's a very real part of it. It's, yeah. it's a very real part of it. And again, it's hard to, that's the, the messy thing with depression is yes. you kind of have to piece together your own journey of why <laughs> you feel and you sense the way that you do. But yeah. again, that's the importance of reading widely and getting, getting help.
0: Yeah. yeah. I appreciate what you, man, I, we could talk for a long time. I would, there's a lot of things I'd like to ask, but we need to kind of move uh, toward Wrapping this up, but I do want you to share, before we give out your book information, I would like for you to just, if, if you, let, I like to ask people on my podcast, okay, so let's have this sit down with me over a cup of coffee uh, or elevator speech or whatever. If, I would just want you to just speak not to me, but directly to the listener and just what would you tell them the next three or four minutes? What would you want to say to them if you could sit down one-on-one with them? And talk directly to them.
1: I'll just speak to the reason I wrote the book. because I guess that maybe most applies. Um, the whole thought behind the book is how God, you know, I, I, I deal with the life of Jacob and how God could do more in one, one night of surrender than we can ever do in 97 years of struggle. Mm-hmm. That's when Jacob's 97 when he yeah, could, we forget when that. he wrestles with yeah. with the angel. And what I would say is that don't discount what God is doing in your life through the process, through the hurt of whatever you might be going through. Uh, don't discount that too quickly and lean into the wrestle. I think of my friend Mike Avery. You know, he talks Mm -hmm. about you know when you're boxing and you know the boxer they're up against the ropes. What do they do? They lean into their opponent, right? Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we try to uh, you know my friend Phil Brown he says you know God's more interested in developing your character than he is in teaching you a lesson. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing for me is saying, okay, God, um, how can you develop my character through this Mm -hmm. circumstance? Mm -hmm. How can you make me more like you because that's who I want to be. That's a big part of it, and one of the main reasons I wrote because I think some books, whether it's on on depression, again, it's just different aspect that I I brought to it, um, can sometimes go in one of two directions, where it's get over it, or okay, um, you need to just you know, it's a very uh, a medical approach mm-hmm. where you just go and you go to counseling and, you, and all those things. You know, those two approaches are, are good. M- my focus on this is saying, okay, don't miss what God's doing in your life through the process. Right. That's right. Don't don't take those 2 a.m. nights for granted Mm -hmm. and lean into them. Mm -hmm. Lean into them because those are opportunities, in my opinion, for your highest demonstration of worship and praise to God. There's something That's I th- think C.S. Lewis, he writes in, um, you know, I'm butchering this terribly, but uh, in the Screw Tape Letters, uh, Wormwood and the, uh, the other demon, you probably remember, mm-hmm. I can't remember. And they're talking to one another, and, and they basically say this. They said, you know, um, basically when, when the the human being, where we're most fearful of them, when all around them basically seems to be lost, mm-hmm. And yet they still choose to worship. They still choose to, to praise God. That's basically when we know we're in trouble. And I've remembered mm-hmm. that a lot of times. Yeah. And so that's my... That's
0: thoughts. that Job moment when Job, after he lost everything, just fell down the ground and he worshiped God. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, what I would like for you to do uh, for us, Ezra, is give people uh, how they can get the book, how they can find your uh, podcast, and if you'd like to give out any... Email or anything where people can reach out to you. So share with them whatever information you'd like to share. So people definitely want people to be able to get this book. Coming out in
1: February, just because that's a time of the year where people most struggle often with depression in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and so Amazon, certainly an easy way. The MondayChristian.com, it'll be on there. That's a, that's a simple way. Um, all the, the proceeds from this round of books, at least, will go to it's an organization called the Timothy Initiative planning churches overseas kind of my thought process is okay God use some of the breaking processes of my church planning maybe I can use some of that to mm-hmm. you know give back into the lives of other church planners and so my thought hey I'll throw something out for you um, my publisher did a deal where they'll give me 100 free books if this sounds like something maybe you would take a few guys or girls through but you're not really sure email me EzraBeyer at gmail.com I'll send you a complimentary copy and um, and you can receive that. And then um, hopefully that'd be something where you'd say, okay, I'll, I'll buy five of them and I'll take through, you know, a few of my friends through this. And we can do some good for churches overseas.
0: Great, great. That's wonderful. And again, the name of the title of the book is Walking with a Lamp, Thoughts of Hope for the Depressed and Discouraged. Uh, You just got to get a copy. I'm going to get a copy. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to get a copy, Ezra. I've got to read this. Thank you, Ezra, for taking the time. I know you're very busy, but appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. God bless you and your family. And listeners today, I just want to remind you, as I always do, that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, and that if you look to Him, you can find hope along the journey. God bless you, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.